Thank you for joining us for episode 38 of Head Start, a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. Now, as we get ready to have this conversation uh, about Psalm 13, as we're continuing in this sermon series on pray, we'll be looking specifically at um, at prayers of lament. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we need to talk about something that's extraordinarily important uh, because our taste buds are involved. And so the question is, you have eaten your ideal meal. Now, that can, that'll differ around the table, whatever that meal is, and we're not here to talk about that. But what we are here to talk about is you finish that meal, now you want to enjoy your ideal dessert, mm. okay? I can remember back when I learned how to spell dessert, you have two S's in dessert and one S yep. in de- dessert because you want more dessert, thought that was important. That's really helpful. Yes, it is Actually, helpful. That's good. Thank you. So yep. here's the question. What is your ideal dessert? Tim, we'll start with you. Mm. Uh, the ideal dessert, more times than not, is the one headed to my mouth. Oh, and, uh, oh so it's the next one coming. <laughs> but uh, since it is couched in uh, after my favorite meal, uh, I would say a warm sour cream pound cake topped with cut up strawberries, topped with whipped cream, uh, would be my whoop, go-to. Whoop. This was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it is almost lunchtime. Yeah. Holy cow. Lunchtime is going to come earlier today, I believe. I am lamenting it is not before there it is. me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can I give two answers? Would that be okay? Well, I mean, you know, if that's you, if you want to be special. So I'm a, I'm a pie guy. Uh, okay. I like pies and I prefer pie to cake. Um, oh, wow. I love a good Publix key lime pie. I think just that simple. Oh man. Just that simple. He's a uh, simple guy. And that could go. Yeah. I am a simple guy that could go after just about anything. Uh, but it is hard to top a classic of brownies and ice cream. Oh my goodness. And we're not talking about thunder. Yeah. 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 The, you, you know, you can't, I can't have like super crispy edged brown. I don't yeah. need any of that. Really? Like I need it moist okay. and yes. warm and you know, um, the kind that just kind of falls apart in your mouth. And sure. You throw some ice cream on top of that. Sure. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I'm I'm gonna echo what you just said. You stole my thunder. Oh, sorry. Did, but but a, uh, I, I'm gonna go with a brownie that's it's it's still warm. It's got a little, maybe some caramel in it, and mm. you know just to give a little extra to it. And and me specifically because you know the the go to would probably be like two scoops of ice cream, mm. and and I'm gonna go. No, we need a little more. So let's go three scoops of homemade vanilla bluebell ice cream. Ooh, uh, yeah, I think that's where it it needs to be, and uh, that is really good. That's the kind of stuff that you like scrape the bottom of the bowl because you don't want to waste any. Uh, so we gotta gotta work to get all of it out of the bowl. So, all right, there we go. That's important. It is. We don't want to be wasteful. Hungry now. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about, um, because the passage that we're here to discuss is Psalm 13. Uh, And so, Tim, if you'll guide our conversation as we look at this passage. Be glad to. As we continue our series in prayer, uh, this is a prayer that we often don't think about anyway, uh, a prayer of lament. And Psalm 13 is such a prayer. It's a cry of distress. 
Uh, we hear David's honest expression of his heart as he feels at that moment as if God has forgotten him. And so the lament in Psalm 13 can be summarized in those questions right out of the gate. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Mm. Uh, the Psalms of lament, we need to understand, and in, in the whole comprise the largest category of Psalms in the Psalter. Uh, most people would say making up about one-third of the entire uh, Psalter. And there are two basic types of laments that we'll read in, in the Psalms, uh, community laments but and also individual laments. And so Psalm 13 will fall under more of that individual lament with David. Uh, I want to pause there and and just kind of do some uh, general information about lament because this is something that, that I've never preached on. This would be my first sermon on lament. Uh, it's something we've probably not had many life group lessons on, and it's something that most of us as, as children of God have not thought a whole lot about, even though we experience uh, lament very much so. Uh, many believers uh, are either unfamiliar or uncomfortable uh, when we lean into a prayer of lament. This is the kind of prayer that is, is really how we bring our grief, our sorrow, our frustration even to God. Uh, in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Mark Vrogop, states that lament is how you live between the poles of a hard life and trusting in God's sovereignty. Mm. Lament is how you live between the poles of hard life and trusting in God's sovereignty. So when life circumstances bring dark clouds, in his words, the prayer of lament is the pathway to God's deep mercy. Uh, just uh, give a basic defini definition of lament, too. Literally, to lament is to express deep sorrow, grief, or regret. So that's just a common definition. Uh, in his book, again, he, he says that this prayer of lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Mm. And so this is coming from the heart of children of God. Uh, a lament is a prayer of pain that leads us to place our trust in the God who loves us. Uh, it's prayed in that space between when we're hurting and broken and before we receive, uh, by experience, understanding at God's mercy. So this type of prayer typically asks two questions. Where are you, O oh God? Uh, kind of what David is saying. Have you forgotten me? And the second question would be this. God, if you love me, why in the world are you allowing this to happen to me? And so these are fair questions of lament. And, um, and uh, Vrogop in his uh, book, uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, uh, makes this statement. He said, to cry is to human, is human. I mean, we come out of the womb crying most of the time. We, we want to hear that baby cry when life comes into this world. But to lament is Christian. And, and his point is, as common as crying is to human life and, and that sorrow and sadness, uh, lament uh, should be also for the Christian, the child of God. Uh, the prayer of lament 
when we read it in Psalm 13 and other uh, laments in the Psalter, they're loaded with theology. Uh, these psalms affirm that the world is broken, <laughs> there is pain, there's sorrow, there's sin, but also they affirm that God is powerful and that he will be faithful in the end. So the prayer of lament stands again in the gap between the pain of a broken life and the promises of a faithful God. Um, the pattern of lament, uh, most prayers will follow a very similar pattern, these prayers of lament in, in the Psalter. Uh, first, we, we hear a psalmist cry out to God, address him. We call that turning to God. Second, you can use the word complaint. There's that honest expression of feeling and emotion. Third, ask. That's the request. What, what is the plea for God to, to act? Uh, so turn, complaint, ask. And last, we see that contrast of, of coming back to trust, a statement of faith or a statement of praise for who God is and what he promises to do. Mm. Uh, just another quote that stood out uh, for me about lament. Each step of a lament is part of a pathway forward to hope. It's how we process grief. It's how we process sorrow and pain and suffering. So prayers of lament invite us to turn our gaze from the rubble of life to the redeemer of every hurt. And uh, so that just spoke uh, to my heartbeat, gave me insight, and I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, now, before we briefly unpack six verses of Psalm 13, understand that the prayer of lament is not a one and done. Uh, this is something we experience as we go through life um, and, and see that from the dark clouds in life, uh, we can uh, point toward and experience God's deep mercy. So lament is how we trust in the midst of brokenness, how we trust even when it's painful, how we trust when we might even be frustrated with God not working or seemingly to be silent and leaving us in this sorrow. Uh, so it is really how we wait, uh, complaining, seeking, recommitting ourselves to believe God I do believe you are who you say you are, and I do believe you're at work even when I can't see it, and I do believe you will do what you promised to do. And so these prayers of lament are powerful, and they hit us in, in, the, in the heartstrings of what real life brings to us many times uh, that is not easy to deal with, that brokenness. So Psalm 13, again, serves as a great example of our of a prayer of lament and our freedom to be honest with God and how that freedom is a central part of our moving forward to being closer with our heavenly father and and take take heart if if David a man after God's own heart had these feelings we're about to to read and talk about uh understand that that we as children of God uh, are in good company there that we can't help but feel these emotions and ask these questions. But I pray that we will be compelled also to embrace the truth that Scripture gives us of who our God is and what He has promised to do and be for His children. So uh, let's look at Psalm 13, uh, verses 1 and 2, right out of the gate. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? So David starts by his address to God, turning to God and crying out to him. Uh, and, and his complaint is evident in these first two verses uh, in four how long questions. Uh, David was certainly disturbed by what the enemy was doing, but I would think he's more concerned about what the Lord his God is not doing in that moment. And so he's wondering, how long are you going to leave me here? The implication of how long is also that it's been too long. Any time we cry out to God, how long, God, are you going to leave me here? Uh, What we're really saying, God, I've been here too long. And we're pleading with him, don't leave me here. So when reading the Psalms, it's important for us to allow our heart to also experience these emotions. Mm -hmm. Hear the intensity, the agony behind these questions. Uh, David is accusatory on one hand, Mm -hmm. frustrated, angry, irritated, confused. Uh, How does, uh, he, he does not hesitate to just really almost lash out Mm -hmm. to his heavenly father in his frustration. And it's like he he looks up and says, God, what is going on with you? Where are you? How long are you going to ignore me and allow me to suffer? Mm. And so to uh, just an an insight here as we read the Old Testament and and just that, that language that we see so often to remember in the Old Testament is for God to act, Mm -hmm. uh, to remember is for him to act positively toward his children or toward someone. Now, to forget is the opposite. It's to withhold help and comfort. So, gives you insight when David is saying, how long would you forget me forever? Uh, Father, how long would you refuse to send help and comfort? Um, We're not surprised that David feels that way because you and I have felt those emotions. What surprises us maybe with David's words is uh, how bold and brash they are Mm. as he cries out to God in that kind of boldness. So that's verses one and two, setting the stage for that turning to God and and rendering a complaint to him. It's good stuff. And uh, there's a tension that we'll get the opportunity to address. Uh, Tim and Matt, I know a little bit about your stories. Um, The house that I grew up in, um, we, you know, scripture was a, was a priority. And so there's this verse that rings in my mind when we talk about lament and complaint and all this other kind of stuff, right? It's that verse that says, do everything right without grumbling or complaining. So life group leaders understand that you will be stepping into the tension of an attitude that fits a Christian believer, uh, that does not seek to complain about, uh, things and yet recognizes a world that is at odds with the goodness of God because of sin. That's right. um, and these are the kinds of things that we are to lament about um, and, and, and that the Bible encourages us to. I think of um, my kids. My kids do not hesitate to complain in my presence. <laughs> professional right? complainers. They are professional yeah, yeah. complainers. I'm familiar with uh, that. And it's funny because Eli, as he's maturing, my, my boy, he'll turn 12 this summer, as he's maturing... Uh, he will take his complaints internal, right? Um, and I'll see it. And so I'll address it and say, well, what were you going to say? 
no, I don't want to tell you. You're just going to tell me that it's wrong or whatever is his response. Well, buddy, I still want to hear it because I want to know what's on your heart. That's the best turn that I can think of into the measures moment in our curriculum. Every believer, every disciple is a child who knows God, right? God knows what is inside our hearts. He sees it as clearly as, in fact, more clearly than when I can look at Eli and it's like, hey, buddy, I already know what you're thinking. You know, Um, God really does already know what we're thinking and he wants to give us that space to express it and say it. So uh, leaders in your curriculum, there is uh, the measures moment that I'd encourage you to look at with your group uh, that, that encourages you to know that as a child of God, you can trust the father with your real emotions. Uh, Just as a good earthly dad is going to gather his child into his lap when he or she struggles, and the Lord does the same thing with us. He he brings us close. He draws us near when we're in uh, that that moment of pain. It doesn't always feel that way, uh, but that doesn't make it less true. To grow in your relationship with your Heavenly Father, you must be willing to get real and honest with Him, even when your heart is raw, uh, just like David did here. Um, You you can trust Him, and there are reminders throughout Scripture that God desires for you to pour out uh, your heart toward Him. Remember, Jesus came to the grave of a good friend, and in the face of death and agony and the tears of those around Him, Jesus didn't say, hey folks, come on, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Jesus wept. That's good, and and uh, God doesn't waste any opportunity to grow us and to draw us close and to reveal more of who he is to us. And, and oftentimes through this brokenness and, and to, through pain and sorrow and suffering are the moments that, that we really uh, see who our God is, our Father, and his goodness and his grace and his mercy. Uh, now, these six verses of Psalm 13 naturally divide in three sections, two verses each. So one and two is that cry out to God, turning to Him and offering the complaint. But then we, we shift in verses 3 and 4 as David presents his request to God. So we go from complaint, crying out to God in that moment, to request. And he moves from accusing God to asking. And, and movement in our lament journey is so important. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get stuck complaining, mm-hmm. and it might even be easy to get stuck asking, uh, but there, there's another level that we get to in, in verses 5 and 6, and that's trusting. But David is moving in this prayer from accusing to asking. And in the English uh, Bibles that we have, uh, one commentator brought this out, and it just stuck in my mind. He said, if you look closely at the text, you will notice an extra space between verses 2 and 3 and then verses 4 and 5. And he said, uh, you know, just let that uh, cause you to remember that space matters. It took David time Mm. to get from complaining, (laughs) accusing God, to asking, and from asking to trusting. And so that space matters because there's a time lapse there that we don't know what it is. Yeah, that is so helpful and encouraging when we are in the midst of and like, why can't I get over this? Why right. can't I move forward? Mm. Um, to know that sometimes maybe there is a space. There is a space. And that just speaks volumes of why we need a community of believers mm. around us mm. because that's part of that ministry of that community is to help nudge us 
uh, in those times uh, to to see beyond that moment that we're in of complaining or beyond that moment of just asking uh, and and point us to the promises or to the God of the promises to trusting. That's right. Um, David is moving through his process of lament, and as he does, he takes time uh, to move from complaining to asking, uh, and as he does, uh, he makes two requests, two big requests. He asks God to listen. So look at verse 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. And so the first request, consider me and answer me. Uh, Again, in the Old Testament, God's remembering and seeing are not states of consciousness, but they're kind of preludes to him acting. Uh, if he remembers, God remembering is him acting. Him seeing is is him on the move, if you will. And and so think think of that uh, as we hear David's terms. Consider me and hear me, O Lord. It's it's almost like small children uh, looking at their parents who might seem to be distracted or not paying them attention. And, and they jump up in your lap and grab your face and point <laughs> it to them and say, look at me, listen to me. Yeah, and yeah. as a parent, I've had that happen when our children were younger. And that's almost the feel that I get when David mm-hmm. is crying out, consider me, God, and answer me. Re- remember, uh, hey, here I am. Uh, it's time to act. He asked God also to restore him. Uh, Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Uh, David knew that God had promised ultimately to bless him, but at the moment it sure seemed like the blessing was was with his enemies and not with him. Right. As much as David was concerned about his own needs, I, I think there's a greater concern with him about the name of the Lord his God among his enemies, about, we would say, about the glory of God. Uh, after all, God had chosen David and had commanded Solomon or Samuel to anoint him as king. Mm-hmm. And if David failed, God's name would be ridiculed. And I can't help but think that that's uh, probably rattling in David's mind and, and saying, hey, don't allow the enemy to win and gloat over me and allow your name to be disgraced. Uh, so that is the calling out to God in request. And then we have a big shift in between verse 4 and verse 5. He ends with a statement of faith expressing his personal trust in God. Uh, Now, we have no idea how long it took from David to move from verse 1 to verse 5, but he eventually worked his way to a place of acceptance and trust. He starts with a simple word, but, in verse 5. But in spite of how I feel, in spite of what happens, what appears to be true around me, what I see, in spite of my circumstances, I have trusted in your mercy, in your faithful love, in your steadfast love. And so that that contrast is real. And we see that in prayers of lament. Uh, there's wording like that, but, or however, or yet, mark those intentional shifts from request often, to trust, to believe. 
Um, it didn't matter how great the pressure from the enemy was, the choice was still David's to make about putting his trust in the Lord his God. And um, in these two verses, David expresses three affirmations of his trust. He said, but I have trusted in your mercy, in your steadfast love. Uh, I have trusted in your faithful love. All of those are translations that, that you could read in different versions. Uh, but David is saying, God has a history with me. And because of what he's proven to be in the past, who he is and what he did, he is trustworthy. So David claims to trust in God's steadfast love on the basis of what God has already done in his life. And that's important for us to remember that it takes uh, faith to trust in God in the midst of difficult circumstances, but many times that faith has eyes that have looked backward and remembered that God was faithful then, and as surely as he was faithful then, he has not forgotten me, forsaken me, he will be faithful now. So choosing to trust uh, requires reinforcing what we say we believe about who our God is and what he promises. Um, one Wearsby said it this way, God's people don't live on explanations, they live on promises, and those promises are as unchanging as the character of God. So David is confident in the Lord's love for him. He's reminding himself as he prays this back, but I have trusted uh, in your mercy, in your steadfast love, your faithful love. And then he says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Mm -hmm. David's trust is connected to rejoicing in God's promise of redemption. Mm -hmm. Suffering does not mean that God has forgotten us or that he has forsaken us. Mm -hmm. And David is affirming his belief that he can rejoice because he knows the victory will come. He believes in the promise of God's redemption. Uh, choosing to trust through our prayers of lament requires that we rejoice without knowing how all the dots might be connected in the end. Uh, we know the ultimate lament cry, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That led to the greatest moment of redemption in all history. Yeah. Uh, one commentator said it this way, the darkness of the sixth hour led to the dawn of an empty tomb. Uh, Romans chapter 8 will be just a good refresher to remember as Paul applies this to the hard, this to hardship by wrapping suffering in the promises of God's redemptive plan. He lists the trials that we often face. What, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger or sword? And on the other side of the trials and laments, stand the precious promises uh, connected to God's eternal plan. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to these purposes. Um, we are more than conquerors mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Uh, David concludes with an affirmation much like that. Uh, he said, I will sing to mm -hmm. the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That's a good memory verse right there. Uh, in the midst of the pain and sorrow and suffering, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully, generously, 
graciously with me. So this prayer of lament carries you through that messy wilderness of pain, but it's meant to take you on a journey from the dark clouds of the circumstances to experience again that deep mercy of a faithful God. That's awesome. Um, yeah, thanks, Tim, for walking us through that. So much there to hang on to. Um, I want to draw your attention toward a question kind of at the back or closer to the end of the curriculum um, that I would challenge you to lead your life group into a discussion around. Um, it says, why is it important to not permanently dwell in a place of complaint? And again, let me challenge you to not settle for you know, the Sunday school answer here, right? Well, because the Bible tells us, you know, not to or whatever. Um, want to encourage you to lead your group into the kind of thinking that sees complaint in, in lament as a good and healthy thing, a thing that we have to do, but as not quite the ideal thing, right? Um, that if we just stay stuck in complaint, we're not making room for what's best. You know, God gave the breath that's in our lungs to worship him. Uh, I think that's one of the cool notes about, you know, David at the end saying, I will sing to the Lord, right? This is why we sometimes talk about how worship can be a weapon, uh, like the musical singing kind of worship can be a weapon in the face of adversity. Uh, because when you clear complaint out of the way and you choose to sing, even when you don't want to, and you choose to believe even when it's hard, uh, man, it just really, really makes space for the ideal, uh, scenario. It's allowing your body, your soul, uh, and your being to operate as God created it to operate. And that's in worship rather than complaint. Uh, a couple of great live it out points this week. One of them relates to the uh, lesson at hand. The other is more general. So draw your attention to those. The first one is to write a prayer of lament about something that you have been struggling with and to follow that pattern that David used in Psalm 13 that Tim brought out uh, of turn, complain, ask, and yield. Um, Again, let me throw it one step further and say, life group leaders, bring yours to life group, the one that you've written out, bring it to life group. And if it's not too deeply personal, let me challenge you to even share it with your group members as they embark on their own journey of trying to write a, uh, a, a prayer of lament. And then number two, continue in chapter a day. Uh, so this gives you an opportunity to check in on your folks. How's it going? Are you behind like I am? Like maybe Matt was yesterday. I don't know if you caught up yet. I'm almost, I'm only three days behind. Look at you guys. Yeah. I'm just one like or two days behind. I think. So that's I'm good. On. Yeah, on. come on. But I'm behind in other things too. <laughs> Understood. So it gives you a great opportunity. And, and certainly for those who have joined us since we started chapter a day, this will give you an opportunity to get them started in that process as well. That's good. So thank you so much, fellas, for investing this time into speaking into the lives of our, of our leaders as they prepare to, to guide a conversation around this passage of Scripture with their groups. Uh, so before we wrap our time together, I want to uh, point your uh, attention to a couple really uh, integral uh, activities, events that are coming in the life of our church. I, I don't know if you realize this, but it's like it's almost springtime. It's and that's I'm really looking forward to it. I think I actually complained about being being done with cold weather not long ago. Uh, so spring it will be here soon, and all the sniffles and Claritin and all those things that go along with it. Uh, so those things are coming. But a big part of that is our opening day outreach that will be March the 16th uh, in in baseball fields in our community. That's a big day in our community where all the kids in from from the little ones to the bigger ones, uh, come out during this full day of baseball getting started. Uh, and so we get the privilege of being able to be able to 
have a presence and to minister uh, to our community and serve on this day. So we need about, and this is a very specific number, 105-ish. Yes, 105-ish people to sign up to help us. Uh, And what you're signing up for is a one-hour increment. On that Saturday, March the 16th, from 9 until 4, you're signing up to serve for one hour. Uh, And so in your boxes on Sunday, you'll find that box, uh, a piece of paper, a sign-up list. So if you'd go ahead and be sure to give information. There's lots more information than what I'm sharing right now. Uh, Pass that around your group and encourage them to sign up and to serve on that day. So that would be very helpful. We need your help in that way. Then next, Easter. I know, I know, it's, it's, we're not even quite into March yet, but Easter is on its way, and so we want to go ahead and get this in front of your mind. Uh, so Easter, as we look at Easter week, uh, on that Wednesday before Easter, we're going to call it a Holy Week Night of Worship. That Wednesday night, uh, March the 27th, we will have a night of worship. Uh, the plan is right here in the worship center uh, on the 27th at 6.30 p.m. We'll gather and we'll worship on that Holy Week night of worship that Wednesday. Then, uh, as we look toward Easter weekend, Saturday and Sunday services, a full schedule. Uh, Saturday, um, the 30th at 6 p.m., we'll have worship in both the worship center and in the East Venue. And then on Sunday, normal, uh, mostly, uh, we'll have services at 9.15 and 10.45. We'll have services in both venues, both hours, okay? Uh, So just keep that in mind as we look toward uh, the Easter weekend. And also, here's another thought that I want to plant in the mind of our leaders that you guys be thinking about. We know that 9.15 service on Easter weekend is like it is prime, man. I mean, that's where that's where both venues are always packed on those Sundays. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you leaders, if you could avoid that service, like come Saturday night or Sunday at 1045 so that we can give room for our, our guests that will be here on that Sunday so that there's there's plenty of room uh, at the 915 service. So just plant that, in your, that thought in your mind. Now, next and finally, as we ramp up to Easter, we're challenging our congregation, kids, students, and adults to make, to give five invitations during the month of March to Easter, okay? So we'll, the first Sunday in March, March the 3rd, we'll have Easter invite cards that are available for you, so you can grab those and begin giving those invitations out. And when we say invitation, we mean actually you, you, you hand that invitation card to somebody, has all the information about the services, and so uh, we'll, you'll be hearing more about this invite challenge. Uh, so we're going to, I'm going to ask you leaders to lead in blazing a trail and guiding your group to give those invitations because we'll be asking about those during the month of March, you know, about, hey, how many of you been able to invite and holding each other accountable to that because we know that Easter is a super easy time to invite people to come to church. And so let's be guilty of giving invitations. Remember, we talked last week about the power of the invite. Let's be guilty of giving invitations. Who knows how God may use that invitation. All right, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.